I sent I sent you homeboys a hair package. Oh, yeah, did excellent. you? Yeah, Steve was excited when I told him I'd sent you his address. He's like, oh, I love packages. Oh, good. Hey, he's gonna Let like me that just tell you, the shipping bomb. costs more than the contents. Usually oh. does. Yeah. Oh, I was like, oh, I was oh, you like. should have packed more stuff into it then. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Holy cow. What's new and exciting? There's a package on its way to you. Is there? They want, mm-hmm. For the, us. Boys, the boys want you to share. Really? <laughs> He's like, oh, share. Damn. Wait, when did you send <laughs> it? Uh, today. Oh, today. Okay. So, uh, see it in February. Probably, yeah. Something like probably that. like a week. We're gonna see what it meet. What priority means versus express? <laughs> I'm like, just means priority. They don't, they don't let the huskies express. eat it. Recording in progress. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Hey, this is, of course, the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Minot, and joining me today, Mr. Ryan Fleury. Hello, everyone. Uh, And Mr. Steve Barkley. That would be me again. And of course, no podcast that we do would be complete without Miss Liz Malone. Hey guys, what's going on? You know, uh, you know what really threw me with that intro is that uh, actually it was going too smoothly for the past four weeks or so. <laughs> like I've been used to like either Steve's not here or the cowbell doesn't work or like something's going on. And uh, it just went way too smoothly and it almost like completely derailed me. We're very efficient this week. Yeah, I know. It's like we're like we're well. We're back to being a well-oiled machine. Just don't ask how we're doing. Well, that well, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Where all things going? Do we do do we want to talk about the mail that we got? Because no, it it, no. Okay, you sure? It's so it's a lot of controversy. (laughs) We did get some email that uh, that that caused some ripples. Ripples among with two of you. But listen, hey, listen. I, like I told you, I, I love it. I. I mean, some of us are fine. That's right. It's your true. problem. <laughs> well, listen. We've we've opened Pandora's box. Let's quickly go into it. Uh, I don't have I don't have it verbatim in front of me, but uh, I'll paraphrase. So we got a, a listener email from a regular listener who advised me to stop talking about sports because uh, it made me sound like a moron. And then uh, <laughs> his advice for Liz was that Regina was not a funny name for a city. And that it's it was, not, yeah. And I'm not funny. And you're not funny. I'm not funny. Okay. okay. There, there are thousands of people in this country who totally disagree with that statement <laughs> about Regina not be yeah, a funny no, name. No, yeah. yeah, that's right. No, they all agree that Liz is not funny, but yes. <laughs> totally, Liz is not funny. No, I love it. I, I, for one, I wear my comments like a badge of honor. I, I think I thought it was great, and we do appreciate the email. And thank you to the person who sent that in. You know who you are, and we love you very much. And uh, we had a good laugh at that. So we and Regina is funny. <laughs> sure i think it's funny i'm with you liz so well, but let me let, and let me just put this out there the u.s pronunciation is regina so that's why when it's spelled oh. it's spelled exactly we say regina and that's a you know woman's mm. name most commonly um wait is that spelled the same though yes, i feel like yes. it's spelled yes it is, is it's, it? spelled, it's spelled the yep. same way so that's oh. why when i see Oh, re, re, I see it as Regina, and then it's her, and then I, and then it's being said as Regina, and I'm like, and we, let's, okay, yeah, I'm gonna be very childish. We all know what Regina rhymes with. Sure, well, it's exactly. a little, so it's a, a little, uh, it, yeah, it, it definitely gives me a little giggle. Sure, spasm. No, I get it. I didn't. I, I really. I thought. 
I thought those, I thought those were spelled differently. Wow. That's a revelation to me. Yeah. So, oh. so well, there, there goes go. the, the, there goes the American and her goofy, unfunny way of looking at words or hearing words, but <laughs> so sure. I'm like not it. funny. Hey, if you say I'm not adorable, that's, those are fighting words, but I can handle not being funny. There you go. Exactly. There, there, you go. there is only one city in Canada that gets more play than Regina from comedians. Sure. And that is, and that is Dildo Newfoundland. That's oh, right. Gosh. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble now for giggling at that. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how that happened. We should really, maybe we should have someone from that, from that city on to explain to us what, how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> like just how did that happen? Did it, did that, did they name it before that was a thing or? I'm guessing. Yeah. It, yeah. Huh. Mm. And, but then now I'm curious about the origin of the word of the thing. Like what, how did that happen? Like, I don't know. Sounds like that's a whole, topic it's for a whole other rabbit show. hole. Yeah, that's right. Maybe that's that's a side podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna I'll put that on, on the idea bank. Uh but I'll talk about that later. Uh hey, enough of this though. Hey Ryan. Yeah, Rob. Uh what the heck are we doing today? Today we have John Melville joining us, who is the vice president of content development and operations over at AMI. Welcome to the show, John. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, good to be here. And I apologize for all the preamble. <laughs> Very interesting. I, I've actually been to Dildo, so uh, my wife and I visited it a few years ago. Had a oh, beer. Really? really? Is it? Is it? Is it big? Is it a, a large? No. It, oh, well, careful it's... here. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, wow! I didn't even see that. Oh, you're gonna fit right in. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't even see that one coming. Oh. Hey, no. yeah, me you didn't see that one coming. <laughs> oh my no. goodness! I'm just gonna stop talking now. Okay, and just and just because somebody said, "What is the origin of that word?" Dill, dill, doll, an old English term taken from the old oh. Norse word "dilla," a verb meaning to soothe. Literally, then a dill doll would be a soothing doll. So there you go. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> we, you know what? We're an educational show also. We because we're not, are. we're not, listen, we are not funny. Or no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm not funny, but yeah, it's just you. I'm just want to make sure that we bring <laughs> some new knowledge to our listener base. That's right. Right. Exactly. Go. Okay. Okay, we and got there I under- thought, and you know, and there I thought John was the adult entering the room, but look at him, he's just right, <laughs> right into the cesspool, right? right. It's clearly, John's the funny one. Well, um, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna have to, I'll have to put that on my places to visit. Uh, was it nice? That's that's what I'll that's what I'll ask. It was, um, yeah, very uh, quaint and small, and a place we had great fish and chips. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if they do have a big tourist trade there just for people wanting to just oh, go yeah. and take pictures of them in front of the sign. Yeah, they sell shirts the whole bit. Yeah, it's it's a, and there's the in St. John's, they actually have the Dildo Brewing Company, which I think is from there and they sell oh, wow. beer in St. John's. Well, right. Amazing. So yeah, you know, it's a it's a big attraction. We were there in the summer. It was beautiful weather, nice and warm. So before we kind of dive into to talking a little bit about about what you do at AMI, maybe we could just start out by just giving us a little bit of uh, of background on yourself in, in the industry and how how you kind of landed at AMI because I, I read your bio and it, it's actually really interesting. Some of the other uh, places that you've uh, you have experience in. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, I've been at this. Uh, when did I kind of get into this? Uh, sort of about thirty years ago. Um, started off in radio. Uh, took radio broadcasting at Humber College in Toronto um, and got a job as a night operator on a network radio show. And well, one thing led to another and I, I ended up uh, behind the scenes uh, in operations. So I'd originally kind of gone into it because I wanted to do, you know, the jock thing, music radio, but uh, realized pretty early on that any job security in radio or television was probably behind the camera. Um so I progressively kind of met some of the right people that would, uh, you know, be with me throughout my career and uh, went from one thing to another. So after uh, 
after that, I was involved with Blue Jays Radio um, as an operator, uh, then went on to uh, the SCORE network, uh, the sports network. So we launched, that was in 1998, dating myself a bit here, but uh, it's still alive and well today. Uh, we launched it back then. Um, following that, I, I went to Chum Radio, where we launched another sports network. So sports was pretty big uh, in my background. Um, so now what I was doing was both radio experience from originally and then into television. So the television was actually a launch from the ground up. We literally built the studios, hired all the people because the, the network came on like instantly. You know, we, 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 we started from scratch, literally. Um, and that was around the same time Sportsnet also launched in Canada. And then uh, from there, um, just a few different gigs. Uh, the, one of the coolest, though, was when satellite radio came to Canada. Um, I was involved with the launch at XM Radio which is now Sirius XM because the, the two entities merged back in, uh, I think, 2008, nine, somewhere around there. Um, and then I uh, had this opportunity come up, um, AMI, which was originally voice print uh, reading service for people who are blind and partially sighted, literally reading newspapers from across Canada. Um, they had bureaus called local broadcast centers, I think 12 of them. Uh, reading all the local newspapers uh, for people who were blind um, and broadcasting. And they had a license from the, the Canadian Radio Television Communi Communications Commission here, CRTC, uh, to uh, basically put the channel on and it had a revenue stream. So it was attached to the, uh, uh, to the cable bills that everybody pays, I think four cents for voice print. And then uh, they launched in 2009, the TV channel, which became AMI-TV. Originally it was TAC-TV, the accessible channel. Uh, and so I, I joined them in 2011, uh, bringing my uh, radio and television background to it and essentially took over uh, what would become AMI-TV and AMI-audio and the operations role. Um, so my original title there was programming um, and production, uh, but we'll get into it, I guess, a little bit more about what we're doing now, which reflects my current title, which is content development and operations. So that's kind of where I came from and where I am now. So when you were with XM, like, were you, were you involved in creating a lot of the channels and a lot of the content across all the different genres? Because it sounds like you kind of had a, a bit of a strong sports background until you, you moved to um, XM. Was that kind of where you sort of expanded out and started developing different content, in different genres? Yeah, absolutely. It was actually really cool. So when XM came into Canada in 2005, same with Sirius. They both joined and came into Canada at the same time because they'd originally launched in the U.S. around 2001. So they'd been there for four years. So we were hearing all about satellite radio and, and everybody was kind of eagerly anticipating getting it. And anybody who... It doesn't has never experienced satellite radio. It's basically it's in most cars. It's a subscription-based uh, model where you pay like ten to fifteen dollars a month and you get access to you know 100, 150 channels. But when they came into Canada, uh, one of the one of the regulatory stipulations from the CRTC was that they had to link for every nine channels that they brought in from the U.S. Uh, they had to link one Canadian channel. So in order to do that, we basically had to launch 13 channels of news, sports, information, and music. And in our case, because we had the hockey expertise uh, from the previous, uh, so I was working with a group of people that I kind of knew before. Uh, we kind of came together at, at XM. It was, it was launched by uh, John Bitov, who... Uh, actually brought the Raptors to Toronto, but he was a, a businessman and uh, had gone for the license. And he saw, you know, these sports guys all showing up to sort of help get the production underway for all these channels. And they actually got the rights to the NHL. So we launched back then in 2005, a channel called Home Ice, which is still going today. I think it's called NHL, uh, NHL Live or one of the, I can't remember exactly what the branding is now, but uh, essentially it was Hockey Talk 24-7. Um, and we also had a news channel and interestingly, a comedy channel, which um, I think back then was called Laugh Attack and now it's called Canada Laughs. So we literally had to, you know, 
get access to all the people and presenters and comedians who were going to appear on this channel or on these two channels. So absolutely, there was a huge uh, influx of sports. And we had a studio in downtown Toronto at Avenue in Davenport that was built for us uh, for the purpose of that where the Home Ice channel would uh, broadcast from. We had in-studio guests. Um, all the players, when they came through Toronto, uh, they'd be invited to come and do an interview in person, or we had them on the phone, or we even had a couple of visits from the Stanley Cup. Uh, so it was really cool to, to be involved in that. And to this day, they're still, uh, they still do all the hockey broadcasts. So if you have uh, XM or Sir Sirius XM now, and you're listening to hockey, uh, it's essentially originating from Canada at the studios now in Liberty Village in Toronto. So when when you were brought on to AMI, is that sort of was that sort of the plan? Because I, I know, you know, I, I've sort of been familiar with AMI for around the same time. I think that I first became aware of them in the um, around the 20 aughts as well. And it seems to me that they've 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 really gone on in the past 10 years. They've really gone in a bit of a growth spurt. So when they brought you on, was that sort of always part of the, the idea? Was that they, they were looking to sort of build out their content? Yeah, exactly. And evolve, I think, would be the word. As you guys are probably aware, you know, the way we consume content today is different from what it was even 10 years ago. Um, you know, we're streaming now. Back then, people had cable TV. I mean, people still do have cable TV. But the number of people now that, you know, that people don't sit down every evening and watch primetime TV, you know, on the, the four American and three Canadian networks, you know, they're, they're streaming on Netflix and all these things. So the, the whole industry has been evolving. So when we were brought to AMI, I mean, just let me identify that AMI is, is governed by a board of directors because we're operated as a not-for-profit organization. Uh, so the board of the board of directors um, who are volunteers, uh, it governs us because we have obviously a significant budget to deal with every year uh, to make sure our money is spent, you know, doing the right things. And um, it was the desire there to really kind of ensure that AMI as a, as a TV uh, channel and AMI audio as radio stations. And then of course our French channel, Ami Tele, um, we're operating in a progressive way so that we could, you know, in, deliver our mission for blind, partially sighted and persons with disabilities, but also to ensure that, you know, we were creating content that was relevant, that really spoke to the people that we are here to serve. So it was bringing on people like myself who had, a, you know, expertise in, you know, radio and television and they're the people I work with, you know, the, the, it's a group of people that have all come from these types of backgrounds and really applying ourselves now to create content that you know is going to stand apart from essentially what we say is if certain content is not made by ami it probably won't get made you know we're looking and involving persons with disabilities at all levels of production wherever we can um, there's training involved there's representation in front of the camera as well so we're really trying to embrace all that as we operate like a regular media entity in you know 2023 so that's kind of how it continues to evolve, essentially. Um, you know, we're already plotting the next five years. What's it going to look like? And how is AMI going to be there to serve the audiences that have us? That, you know, I, I can't understate enough how, how much of a challenge that must be. Because, you know, especially when you put it like that, because you're, you're talking about you're, you're creating content for a variety of different mediums. All of those mediums are changing. You're right, the, shifting, the shift to streaming um, away from traditional broadcast. And then you're also, you're the sort of the only game in town. Nobody else is creating content like AMI. And on top of that, you're creating, you're trying to create content for the entire disability community, which is very, very vast. Well, it's, it's a learning curve. Um, and I think it's important that the stage we're at now is, you know, I, I'm, I'm, been around AMI since 2011. Uh, you know, Kara and I, our director of production, came from 25 years of Chum uh, Television. Uh, Jennifer Johnson, one of our senior producers, Michelle Dudas, our senior producer. They, you know, Michelle came from the Space Channel. Uh, Jennifer was at City TV. Um, you know, we've we've got experience that's come from a lot of different places, 
And I think what what we what we understand now is like we're 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 the generation that got us to the dance, but really now it's about you know people with disabilities. This is their channel, right? So um, the the what we need to do is 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 mentor, find people, and we do that. You know, we've got a, an apprenticing program set up. Um, we do have people uh, with disabilities working on the channels. Um, anybody that's familiar with, you know, Kelly and Ramia or Dave Brown's Now show um, would know, you know, that there's a lot of representation there in front of the camera or in front of the microphone. But what we're also trying to do is ensure that persons with disabilities are getting involved in the production end as well. So ultimately, you know, it, it, it's not like you can just go out and hire piece, people with disabilities to work in television because very often, you don't have that same number of people going into these programs because traditionally they they, they haven't been recruited that way. It's, it's not been a friendly environment. So we're trying to break those barriers just by showing not just ourselves, but other other content creators, how it can be done. And I would say we're, we're you know, we're probably about 10% along that, that pathway right now. Um, you know, I was talking about planning for the next five years, you know, and and maybe in the next five years, we're about 40, 50% along that way. Um, the idea is to ensure that, um, you know, it, it doesn't become so daunting that you're afraid of it. You've got to get out there and just start to make things and, and get people working on things, you know, and uh, th things happen, right? And, and, you know, I can talk about different shows that we've created that have really, you know, hit it out of the park in terms of our own expectations of, what we were, what we set out to do, and what actually ended up happening. So, John, I come from a traditional radio background and also research. I, I worked at Arbitron for years, so I'm very familiar with, um, with, with, with the the broadcasting landscape. And I'm kind of curious, from your perspective of coming from the commercial broadcast side now going into the um, the non-commercial space, it's very niche and serving a very um, specific market and fulfilling such a need what sort of metrics are you using in terms of being able to gauge when your content programming is a success that's a great question and and i'm glad you mentioned your your previous experience with arbitron uh, um, you know if we we do actually get measurement it's now numeris here that we follow um which is the same as all the other broadcasters and and for for traditional broadcasters they monetize their ad sales or whatever through the size of the audience that they get. Um, AMI gets respectable audiences on Numeris. The problem is, is we don't know who's in that audience. So the way that Numeris works is essentially a, uh, a, a an encoder is uh, put into somebody's home who volunteers or is asked to to be monitored for you know a period of months or three months, and uh, it it monitors what. TV shows are being watching. The problem is it doesn't give you any specific demographic information about these people. They could be a family living in Etobicoke. It could be a single person living in Lethbridge. It could be a disabled person living in Vancouver. We don't know. So when you see a number on these measurements, um, it's just any Canadian, right? What we're trying to understand is, are we actually getting to the people that we are supposed to be serving? And Originally, that was the blind and partially sighted audience exclusively because that was why we were given the license to operate. But we now are expanding, you know, to reach more people with disabilities, with different kinds of disabilities, um, and even people that don't identify, you know, because it, it's a tricky question or a thing to answer. But, you know, what 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 is that representation look like? The nice thing that's been happening is with, you know, digital uh, nonlinear content distribution, you get a bit more of a picture there because um, one thing I think you guys are probably aware of is, you know, persons with disabilities are usually very early adopters on new technologies because they're, they're helpful and assistive, you know, uh, whether it's Siri or, you know, screen readers or whatever, um, you know, the iPhone is, I think, four to one over the, the Android in terms of its use by people in the blind community. Uh, I'm not sure if that's 100% correct. I'm, I'm generalizing, but it's definitely more. So what we're starting to see is um, the, the way we understand our engagement is two ways. One is through those metrics and starting to look and 
delve into that demographic data where we can get it. And the other is quite simply that we're right across Canada. And as you probably know, you know, the shows that we have, they travel. We have people coming from communities across the country in Kelly and Ramia's show and on Dave's show um, in the morning. We have different guests on. And what we get is a lot of comments and feedback. And even from the people that appear on these shows, they become converts to AMI. You know, they, they may didn't know about us, but we've asked them to participate in one of our shows. And hey, you know what? We've got a new audience member or we've got somebody who can contribute to what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. So the metrics are, you know, the success is based on really what we're hearing and, you know, the feedback and interest that we're generating across Canada for what we do, that unique type of content that up until now you won't get anywhere else. And, and that's something we want to change too. We don't want to be the exclusive distributors and creators of this type of content. CBC needs to get on board with this stuff. Bell, Rogers, Chorus, they all need to get into this type of niche to ensure that representation is taking place. But in any event, we're, 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 we're starting where we are, you know, and, and uh, we, we've noticed over the, the years that we've really got that, rep, that acknowledgement that we're, we're doing uh, at least what we said we were going to do, which is, you know, at the end of the day, the best compliment I can give to the team, right? Well, and to go back to the to the representation part of it, I, I think that that is so incredibly important. I mean, you guys are sort of laying out the blueprints for for you know sort of the other networks and the other mainstream avenues to say that look, this is exactly how you do it. Exactly. Um, I mean, I, I I watch a lot of British uh, dramas as well in my sort of own downtime, and and what we're seeing from across the the pond, particularly on BBC and Channel Four. Um, you can be watching a drama or a crime show and a character in the crime show may have a disability, but the disability is not consequential to the plot, right? So they're not just plopped in there because they have a disability and, oh, look, we've got a person with a disability here. Isn't that great? It's like it may be the coroner, maybe one of the lawyers or whatever in the character is being portrayed. Um, and I think we need to see more of that in, you know, the content that's being created here, especially the scripted content. The, the challenge for us is that scripted content, which is when I say scripted, that's like a drama or a comedy as opposed to a documentary or a factual show like a, a DIY. Um, when, when you're doing scripted, it's extremely expensive, right? And we're only starting to scratch the surface these other content creators in Canada with that kind of representation. What I would say authentic representation, you know, we used to have a slogan on TAC TV before it was AMI, uh, which I still think rings true today. And it was simply put television that includes everyone, right? And, and rather than singling people out because they have a disability, we're trying to show a spectrum of Canada with the representation, you know, the way it happens without, you know, having to sort of necessarily shine a spotlight and, and say, look, we're doing this. It, you know, it's authentic if it happens naturally, right? So when you're when you're sort of developing content and coming up with with ideas of, of different shows, is it ever a challenge in terms of building something that's going to check all the right boxes? I mean, do you ever have to be like, okay, well, we have to we kind of have to check the advocacy box. We have to check it has to be entertaining. Um, it needs to be educational or is it more that you're just you just kind of develop content and it is what it is and you then you just try to put it through sort of the lens of disability that's it um i suppose we probably did check the boxes uh a few years ago um and that was we started to realize that you, you can't have you know able-bodied people creating content for persons with disabilities simply by going through and saying, well, let's get a blind person to stand up here and let's make sure we have you know a quota of deaf people, you know. And I, I'm sounding rather rather crass here, but that's the whole point. It, it, it is crass to do to approach it that way. Um, what we've discovered is you know in the development stage when you're looking to create this type of content. The content creators, the people that are coming up with the ideas and writing these shows are people from the disability community. And I'll look at uh, Ardra Shepard's show, Fashion Dis, that was 
uh, we, we shopped that around for a production company. Like Ardra had the idea for, we approached us like five years ago. Um, and she had a, uh, started with her uh, blog that she has tripping on air. Um, and we said, this is, this is a person that has something to say about fashion. She's got an idea for a show. Um, we worked with production companies, you know, conventional production companies to try and team her up. And they just weren't getting it. They were saying, oh, yeah, well, great. She's disabled. We're doing a disabled fashion show. But that's not what Ardra wanted. So we eventually found a good match, the, a production company that did understand her vision for the show. And once we were all satisfied, including Ardra, that we kind of got that formula right, they went ahead and we went into production with that. And we've done it again with Breaking Character, which was created by Michelle Ascarelli. Um, we've got a bunch of shows that are currently in development um, that uh, have a unique point of perspective. Um, and trans uh, Transcending with Ness Murby is another show that is uh, uh, going to be released this year. Uh, it's being shot out in uh, Vancouver. Um, and I think people are going to really realize that, you know, that we're, 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 we're taking this into places that it's never been before. And we're tackling topics, you know, normal topics that everybody talks about, you know, money, sexuality, you know, all of these kind of things um, that uh, are important to people, but from a perspective of somebody who really gets it because they live that life. And I think that's the difference is when you hand this over to people that the channel is intended to be for in the first place, um, then you're going to end up getting the type of content developed that is going to resonate with the people that are going to end up seeing it. No, I'm probably going to be geeking out a little bit coming from the broadcast side. So when you're creating this content and you're building your, your lineups and your, all of your, your, your programming schedules, how much mindfulness are you putting into both the actual content and the day part recycling, if you will. You mean the uh, the repetition? The re recycling of audience. Um, that's a, that's a good question too. Again, uh, an understanding of, of ratings and and you know how, how linear television works. Um, yeah, because the content we're creating now is both for broadcast, which goes out on a on a schedule, right? So it's appointment television. You know, there's a show on at this time. You got to be in front of your TV to watch it. And then we also have the same content that's going on our, our mobile app. And uh, it's, you know, we have our own podcasting too that we're creating. So it's downloadable on demand. So the content is consumed in different ways by different people. Um, we, we do work with a fairly high repetition factor because we believe that, you know, on any given day, we're, we're still getting new people coming in or, or people, not new people, but people are being exposed for the first time to a show or an idea or something that we've, that we've created. We will retire shows and we'll, this is kind of a radio trick, you know, where uh, you, you, they do it in like what well, was top 40 radio, you know, where you'd have your hit song and they play it ad nauseum for two weeks. And then it would kind of go into a into a lesser schedule, right? So it wouldn't come up as often. And then it would disappear almost for, you know, weeks or months. And then it would come back as what they call the golden oldie, right? So um, then it's discovered again by a whole new audience. So we kind of use a similar type of intuition with programming the broadcast channel. But the on-demand stuff is available, you know, for anybody, anytime. So... You can go in and watch, you know, episode five if you want. You can pause it halfway through, go make your lunch or come back the next day and watch it. So we have all kinds of different things happening with the same content. And it's just and the whole point is, well, how do people want to consume it? Right. Uh, but as we've been discovering, I think a lot more people are going to be discovering our content on those on demand platforms than just sitting in front of the TV and, and hoping that something comes on that's going to interest them. One of the questions I had, John, was, you know, unless you are, you know, you know of someone in the disability community or maybe browsing through the channel guide and go, I wonder what this AMI channel is, you know, you guys, I don't believe, advertise on mainstream media. So how, how do you guys plan to build your audience out if you're just marketing to the dis dis disability community? 
Well, there there is a little bit of advertising going on. Um, it's it's quite expensive. We've we've just developed a new cable avail, which is it goes on Canadian uh, at the top and bottom of every hour. There's uh, opportunities for uh, cable channels to uh, run. It's not public service announcements, but it's like channels that they carry. They'll run a promo. So we we've just developed a new promo. Uh, it's thirty second spot. Uh, for inclusion, which is now running, and you may see it, but that's uh, it's it's a wide universe of channels and content yeah. to uh, be able to market one brand out to. I would go back to what I was saying earlier about kind of the grassroots, because for AMI, it's about being in the community, right? right. Literally, I've got people on the ground, you know, in every part of Canada, including Dildo Newfoundland, who <laughs> are able to you know, understand what AMI is, talk about it with their friends. So we know that we're reaching people there, but it's, again, it's, there's more we can reach. Um, the one sort of disturbing statistic that I always think about is, although we are mandated, you know, by the CRT, the CRTC basically asks uh, or tells all cable companies to collect, you know, 20 cents for AMI TV, 28 cents for AMI Tele, and 4 cents for AMI audio from every subscriber, right? Uh, but that's just people that are actually subscribing to the basic cable package in Canada. And roughly speaking, it's probably safe to say that only, uh, I'm going to use blind and partially sighted because that's the numbers I have. Only about 50% of blind and partially sighted Canadians with televisions in Canada are subscribed to these cable packages. So where we reach them is only half of the potential audience of just that cohort right. um, and partially cited is going to be on cable TV. So it's really through our digital marketing, social media, all these other things that are going to hopefully connect people to what we're doing. So how closely do you work with the disability community when it comes to, when it comes to content creation? I'm sure that that regular broadcast uh, companies, you know, they don't necessarily pay all that much attention to to listeners and, and their suggestions. I mean, I've had an email into NBC about creating a, a, a television show about a professional wrestler and a pet monkey uh, that goes around solving crimes for years, and they've they've never created it. But I get the sense that that AMI, <laughs> that's a true story, incidentally. Uh, I'm, I'm, Shocking. I'm, yeah, I know. But I, I AMI, you know, you guys seem to to be open to the community to, to coming with you with with show ideas and actually going through and 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 developing a show. Yeah, I mean, we're we're very accessible that way. I mean, not everything is going to work, right? Um, and what we try and do is, you know, work with a somebody who's got an idea to develop. That's the whole point of development is to, is to develop something that is going to be watchable, consumable content. So while you or I may think we've got a great idea and it may sound great, um, the, the process of getting it to a point where it's going to you know, be presented as content that can stand up like any other content that is out there um, is challenging. But the point that we do is we need to engage, right? So we have different things that we do. As I mentioned, you know, we have, we're like, I'm going on the road uh, at the beginning of March. So we're going to Winnipeg, we're going to Saskatoon, we're going to Regina uh, with my content development specialist who works that region. We'll be having meetings and coffee shops and restaurants with content creators. So we go to them. So we're saying, you know, you've maybe pitched the idea to us, let's come and have a meeting with you. Um, and it might be a production company where we're introducing a production company to a content creator. Um, but we do that sort of grassroots work on, on getting content creators connected to what we're doing. The other thing that we have going and has been going for years now is we have a panel of about 1,500. Um, it was originally just blind and partially sighted volunteers who basically get, they're volunteers, but they get paid a little stipend for, you know, providing us with, you know, research through watching a show or something like that, you know, we'll give them a, a gift certificate or something like that, but they're essentially volunteers. And sometimes we'll even run focus groups where, you know, we'll, we'll expose them. We're thinking of this idea, you know, what, what do you think? Right. Um, and we do this several times a year with, you know, we, right now we're running five potential development ideas past the panel. Uh, the panel is now being expanded to, to 
persons with all persons with disabilities, not just blind and partially sighted, because we want to, you know, sort of expand on what we're trying to do. Obviously, it's a fair bit to manage, but we, we've been doing it now very successfully, and meaning that the results that we get have been fruitful in terms of giving us the intelligence we need to do to have to make the right programming decisions, right? I mean, you're not always going to get it right. Uh, sometimes you need to take a chance on something that you have the right gut feeling about, you know, um, and sometimes things surprise us, you know, things that we've, you know, have said, well, this is an okay show. It's not great, but you know, it's okay. We've had incredible feedback from, right? So you, you really have to just sort of get things out there. Um, and obviously we have to work within budgets and means, but I have to say that, you know, they're, they're in Canada, um, you know, the Canadian government spends a lot of money on, you know, uh, production, all kinds of production, particularly films. That's why so many movies are shot up here. Uh, producers are given tax credits for their investments. So in other words, producer invests their own money in a production that goes out and sells and makes money. The producer gets all the money back that they invested. Uh, there's grants that both Rogers, Chorus, Bell, have funds that uh, provide grants to producers. The Bell Fund actually is specifically for disability-related projects. So there's a lot of funding opportunities as well. So we also try and match up, you know, ideas and concepts with, you know, the funding opportunities with the right producers in play. Because at the end of the day, you're running a very, fairly complex business enterprise with any of these productions, right? None of them are the same. Uh, they all come from different parts of the country. The production companies are all a little bit different in how they operate. The rules of each province can be different. But at the end of the day, um, we, you know, what we do is call it a green light, you know, where we finally got a development idea to a point where we say, okay, we're going to now, you know, write that check for $600,000 and produce the 10 episode series, right? So, and, and the 600000 that's invested, and it's a lot of money for, you know, anybody is only about 40% of the total budget of some of these shows, right? Because the other funding is made up through these other sources I was just talking about. So, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's complex, but um, I, I do believe that we are making, you know, some good progress with the work that we've done. And it continues, as I said, to evolve, you know, to evolve um, with some of these new shows that we're, uh, we're, we're bringing to, to people. I think uh, what we want to look is, as mainstream as we can. And what I mean by that is the production values, right? It's, um, if you're watching us, it's as good as anything you're watching on HGTV or on, right. you know, City, right? The production values have to be there because the same people are watching that content. People across Canada, not just persons with disabilities, are watching this content. And that's the other important thing. It's about helping people to understand, you know, what all these subjects and topics are about. Well, and that really helps the cause too, right? Because the, the more people, the more able-bodied people that are tuning into these shows and, and they're learning and, and they're seeing that representation right in front of them. And, you know, it, 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 that spills over into real life when they get up off their couch and they're into the real world and they encounter somebody who say blind or partially sighted, you know, they have, they have a more perspective because they've watched something on AMI. That's right. It becomes more the norm than something that's, oh, look at this, right? Uh, and that's the point. And one other thing just to mention is, you know, we've just been involved recently, as you may be aware, uh, in Canada, there's the Indigenous Screen Office and the Black Screen Office. And these are uh, basically uh, nonprofit entities that advocate for, you know, the Indigenous community as well as the, you know, the, the Black community. Um, and the disability community has now we're we're ami has been sponsoring the formation of the dso which is the disability screen office so once this is up and running and there'll be more information about that coming out from the primetime conference in ottawa um they're just putting a board of directors together now um and they will be able to advocate more towards the industry for inclusion of persons with disabilities in content and that will include things like, you know, all these incentives I was talking about a moment ago, um, whether it's Canada Media Fund or Telefilm, you know, if a producer uses, you know, person with disability on the crew in a meaningful and regular capacity, right, with accommodations made for that, that person's requirements, um, they will probably get increased tax incentives and things like that, 
So we're hoping that's what they do. They haven't actually done that yet, but if it's the same as what's happened with the IDL, the Indigenous Screen Office, we will be seeing that kind of, you know, um, uh, lightning rod into the industry to sort of get aboard with this because it's helping everybody. Rob, I think your story idea, your, your, your the show that you were pitching, it would have gone over a whole lot better if you didn't insist on playing the role of the monkey yourself. <laughs> well, that's well, that's optional. Listen, that's negotiable. That's the go. I should have. Yeah, you're right. I probably should have put that in there. You know, he's, John. He's I don't think I don't think John is 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 aware of the fact that this was secretly a ploy to just get his pitch to you. He's got no down. idea. <laughs> he's so transparent. Okay. Sorry, just, next. That's right. Next fall on AMI. I'm gonna... <laughs> seriously, if if you or any of your listeners have a pitch. Uh, and, and and it has to be worked through to a, a point where, you know, you can talk about it as here's what I see as the show. But if you have a pitch, go on our website. We have a whole uh, we have a section there that uh, where you can solicit the pitch to us. Um, and that protects you because once you've sent that in, um, we will look at it. But if the show or anything else come, becomes an idea, then we've got you having submitted the pitch, right? Right. Uh, as uh, on the record. But for any, you know, I mean, it's it's the probably the best way to sort of open the door to at least having a conversation with us, right? right. Um, and what happens with pitches is we'll take a look at them and then one of our content development specialists will reach out and have a conversation and get more information about that. Oh, do we have ideas? Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. You've you've opened the floodgates. I'm thinking John. the comedic cowboy who hula hoops and wears chaps. And <laughs> how, how, how about the uh, the unfunny American blind girl who spends way too much on international shipping? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm really I gotta say, though, I gotta say, we're 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 looking at you know one of the areas that we have not really gone into yet is comedy. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, Steve Martin used to say comedy is not pretty, but uh, <laughs> comedy is definitely, as you guys can appreciate, it, 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 so I'm Scottish, so I can tell Scottish jokes, right? But that's it, right? <laughs> um, I'm not venturing anywhere else with my humor. Um, <laughs> it, it, it just is a, I, 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 it's not actually a done deal yet, but just as a teaser here, um, uh, we are working on a, uh, a, a potential um, comedy show in Halifax, part of the Halifax Comedy Festival this year. Um, there'll be more details to come, but we're excited about it. So they're actually going to have, uh, as part of the regular shows that they tape, and it's done by CBC, but AMI is hoping to do a special, uh, not a special show, I shouldn't say that, a, a show which will feature uh, comics with disabilities uh, exclusively. And the venue will be fully accessible to people to come and see the show. So more to come on that. We haven't actually signed the contract yet. So it's, uh, it's more of a teaser at this point, but uh, we're, 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 and we, I think it's happening in April. So uh, we are getting into comedy as well. I love that. Wow. It, you know, it, it, that's, it, that kind of does surprise me because there is so much humor within the disability <laughs> community itself. Uh, so, some of the people that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis are just truly, truly funny and insightful people. And so it, 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 it seems stunning to me that, that AMI hasn't ever had a comedy bit to it. We, we did it one time. Um, we, we had a show on a, a very early on, actually. It was called Sharp Focus with DJ Demers. Uh, he was a, a, a hard of hearing comic. Um, he's very funny, actually. He's now in LA. Uh, but, uh, and DJ was essentially hosting a kind of variety type show where he'd go around and, you know, go to hot dog fests and Blue Jay games and stuff like that and interview people. Um, and then he had his own DJ Demers show on AMI. Um, which was kind of like a scripted comedy thing. But uh, we haven't done that for it's about seven years ago, I think we did that. But anyway, we're, we, we definitely want to get back into that, uh, that, that realm because while well, you guys have already pitched me, I think two or three things I think I picked up on here. <laughs> <laughs> and, we're, and our ideas are protected. It's on the podcast. That's yeah, right. Well, yeah, well done, Rob, you sneaky bugger. <laughs> <laughs> We're only too happy. It's all about reach, right? We want as many people to hear it as possible, right? <laughs> That's right. 
Okay, well, very John... serious question. Wait, wait. I got to throw in this very important question, especially with John's sports background. Why do the Toronto Maple Leafs use that stupid Hall and Oates song every time they score? <laughs> I do not know. I do not know, and 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 I am a long-suffering uh, blue and white uh, fan. Um, you know, I, I I said I was from Scotland. I arrived in Canada in 1968, the year after the Leafs won the last Stanley Cup. Uh, I don't know. Um, uh, you know what though? Uh, here's a little uh, fun fact: the um, the BA announcer at Scotiabank Arena um, is Mike Ross, and Mike Ross uh, is on AMI's roster as well. He was originally the host of Live from Studio 5 um, and now is doing the morning run for us, the, the news run. Uh, but he also is the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs down at the Scotiabank Arena. That's his evening job. So, you know what? I'll ask Mike. So, uh, we'll... Uh, it's a very... You know, the, that's a question that's come up on this podcast. We we really need to know because it it's really it's really bugging us. Maybe yeah, it's just I, bugging. It bugs me a lot because. Yeah, I'm gonna have to correct you on that one. That's 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 a you. Like change all the us's to, to me, <laughs> <laughs> and it's only come up on the podcast because you keep bringing it up. <laughs> because I want, I need to know. Listen, just, I don't mind hearing that song as often as they want to play it because it means the least. It means they. It means they score. <laughs> Oh gosh! But 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 must you suffer through those victories? I mean, oh. it's just wrong. <laughs> there there is no suffering like Canadian hockey fans suffering. <laughs> How could we lose to the Habs this season on Saturday night? I was just like, no. I know. <laughs> well, um, but we got a point. Yeah, that's not the point. <laughs> yeah, I hate I hate that. Oh, you got one point. I'm like, Tim, I didn't want one point. I want the two points. <laughs> well, fasten your seatbelts because they're playing Ottawa on Friday. So. <laughs> hey, dude, I'm I'm in Vancouver. Yeah, I know. I'm not said, right? Yeah, I think the only happy guy there is Bruce Boudreaux, right? <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> Finally released from that. Oh my gosh, that was that was unpleasant to watch. But uh, have they got a new coach yet? Have they announced anybody? They have. Yeah, Rick Talkett. It is yep. Talkett. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Yeah, uh, Canucks uh, team on the rise. No, they'll they'll be back. I love the Canucks. They're, they're they're it's too bad that they've had some rough times, but they've got some talent. They'll be back when they figure out the problem isn't the coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm thinking of a new idea. Listen, what about what about a down and out hockey team that ends up their coach ends up being a chimp and <laughs> takes them to the playoffs? Listen, you guys made it to the Stanley Cup. I know you didn't win. But you made the Stanley Cup a lot more recently than the Leafs have, so uh, <laughs> I only have a certain amount of sympathy for you. <laughs> I suppose that's fair. <laughs> well, you know, John, I'm going to be in Toronto this year, and I'm going to stop by the AMI offices, and I want to get a little tour of your digs, and 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 I want I need to track this gentleman down because I need a face to face answer on this song <laughs> issue. Oh. Stalk Mike Ross now. I am going to stalk him. Oh no! And I'm going to videotape it, It'll and I'm going to put it on our on our face on our Facebook feeds and Twitter and stuff like that. And, if you do you that, know. he'll never come on our show. You know that. No, Mike's great. Mike is absolutely <laughs> fantastic, and, and he'd love to do your show probably. So, uh, all right. Um, well. Hey, it would be a great. It would be a great guys. teaser. Yeah, there's a tour waiting for you. Uh, we, we'd be more than happy to show you around AMI. So yeah. I would love to see it. If, I, if I'm if yeah. i going to be in Toronto, how can I not stop by AMI? No, well, exactly. We're easy to get to. And uh, yeah, there's a fun group of people to meet in there. So we look forward to your visit. Well, yay. Awesome. Well, John, listen, I, we want to thank you so much for, for coming on and taking some time out to talk to us. Um, if, if people are indeed do want to reach out and um, uh, pitch an idea or, or help out and volunteer in any way, um, what's the best way to, to do that? You go to the website and we have uh, on our landing page or homepage, whatever we're calling it, there's a drop down menu and you can um, contact AMI. And okay. that uh, contact us is the best place to start. There's also uh, a drop down, it's part of the same drop down. There's, there's a menu item called uh, independent producers. 
So if you go onto independent producers, that'll take you to the pitch page. Okay. Uh-huh. But, uh, I would just suggest if anybody's interested in finding out more to reach uh, us at that uh, contact AMI and uh, Janice or one of the uh, marketing communications team or Greg will be get, get back to you and uh, help you, you know, discover a little bit more about us. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, John. And listen, <laughs> I like, I'll give you the wrestling and the chimp idea for free like that Thank I, you. I don't think that's going anywhere anyway so you don't even need to be the you give me the thing. idea for free but i still have just, to produce this thing right you just, you just, give me a, just give me an associate associate producer credit and i'm happy and, and, and let him read for the chimp <laughs> certainly yeah yeah i'll save one on casting perfect exactly <laughs> thanks guys it's been a pleasure thanks john right. thanks care. John. john bye now no, now I'm liking the the hockey, the chimp hockey coach idea better, actually. <laughs> you know, they have 150 shows. And it's growing all the time. Yeah, and constantly evolving across all these different mediums. Like, yeah. that's got to be just so incredibly challenging to, to maintain and to continue to build. So doing incredible work there. And, you know, I, I do, like, the representation aspect of this can't be understated either it's so incredibly important right now especially you know given given the frustration that that we have in terms of you know disability justice and rights and representation and inclusion is something like ami is is so incredibly important right now well and it's one of the things i thought about asking but didn't really know the right place to squeeze it in but you know we are seeing more representation in TV and film, but you know, how often is that conversation taking place at CTV, CBC, you know, yeah. the film studios? It'd be interesting to, you know, have somebody on from one of those to talk about their inclusion. Yeah, well, listen, it'd be nice. It'd be nice if you know, why can't there be a blind anchor? Why can't there be, you know, uh whatever, uh a weather person, you know, that's that's in a chair. Like no reason at all. Like there it's and I think that John had a really good point. It's mainly the the main reason behind that is that the broadcasting schools aren't are, are kind of not super inclusive or accessible. So well, it's hard the for people to get. Be, yeah, a yeah, lot of the it's equipment hard. Wouldn't it's hard. Be accessible. It's hard for people to get um, broadcasting degrees. So where do you where do you hire from? So. You know, I, I can understand that there's there's a lot of things that I guess need to change before we really we really start to see a push maybe into the mainstream. But um, you know, hopefully that um, you know AMI is going to you know help change that because at least they're creating the blueprint to show mainstream um, broadcasts that it's it's definitely possible. Well, if you're interested, like you said, they have an apprenticeship program as well, right, and provide training. So the tough thing about about broadcasting in that industry is that before they get to primetime TV or even sitting behind the anchor desk or even being the the, the weather person, they have to cut their teeth in really small markets mm-hmm. doing kind of the not so awesome assignments and being the one who's standing in the middle of a storm. <laughs> so yeah. so it so I think because of the way that broadcasters enter into the uh, the business um, makes it even more challenging because there's even more barriers just in the actual job itself and what they require before you can get to some of the I guess more comfortable environments right. of broadcasting. Sure. I wonder if that yeah. I wonder if that's changing though and shifting. You know, because we're seeing more and more stuff go straight to streaming, and you know I still get stumped as to why terrestrial terrestrial radio is still a thing. Um, when there's so many more options for listening to music, radio, news, weather, sports. Um, So, you know, is that shift changing? And if it is, is, it's happening pretty slowly, but I would think in time it is going to disappear and we're going to have all of our content online, you know, at your fingertips, right? The thing is that the importance of broadcast is, well, aside from the fact that there's always going to be that, availability of free content but also what if what if the servers go down 
broadcast my, you know, antenna, you know, radio might be the only way of getting important information right. out there. Hmm. So they can never really take it down, you know, especially with like, you know, the emergency alert systems and whatnot. So, you know, just that aspect of the accessibility of that medium in terms of, you know, being lower tech uh, will, will probably keep it alive. That infrastructure, though, I would think is getting better too. Like it's tough to say because, you know, our Rogers just had a massive outage last year, right? Where basically all of Canada on Rogers had no connection. So, um, you know, yeah, there's definitely some holes in the systems that need some, something to fall back on. So maybe you're right. Maybe radio is the way to go. Maybe we'll end up back at shortwave. Yeah, we're no. going to be, you know, sitting there at home and saying, why didn't I buy that stupid hand crank radio on Amazon for <laughs> yep. 20 bucks? Got one in my camping bag. <laughs> oh, <they> yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It, it is really interesting. The, the, I mean, we could have gone down a whole other, that would have been a whole other sure. po um, podcast episode, you know, talking about broadcast models and what they see in the future and whether or not, you know, uh, live broadcast is is on its way out. I, I I think that I would have said that maybe it is at one point, but I don't know if it is anymore. I think that the the streaming honeymoon is over. Um, well, he well I don't know. John said only about fifty percent of his audience is cable subscribers. Yeah, that's that's low. I'm one of those, but sure. you know, I'm not that yeah. you know demographic, right? the Gen Zers are probably all the ones who have cut the cords. Yeah. yeah but, you know, I, 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 but I was, you know, I was watching a TV show and somebody brought up uh, the fact that they had cut, cut out cable and they went just streaming. And then with all the different layers of this company, now you need this and you got to pay for mm -hmm. that. You got to pay that uh, they were, and plus having to navigate between the different platforms through yeah. your smart TV. There's that, no consistency. Yeah. And they kind of made the joke of saying, oh my God, maybe I want to go back to cable. Yeah. <laughs> I could no, just flip it, the gem. That's a hundred percent a concern. It's more expensive uh, to go because, streaming. Yeah. Yeah. I think that in a way, all the streaming companies and everybody jumping on that bandwagon, you're, they're kind of, you're kind of wrecking it because because, you know, it used to be when there was only two or three, okay, you can live with that. But now when there's four or five that you have to, to you have to subscribe to, to get all the content that you might want, um, then you're, yeah, you know, you're, you're paying close to what you were paying for cable anyways. And you're absolutely right, Liz. Uh, you have to, you have to um, navigate four different apps to try to find the show that you want to watch. And you have to wait for the new app to load sometimes. Oh, and pain. it's, you got to go through <laughs> the menu and yeah. You, or you, you don't you, know what's on what. Oh, gosh, yeah. So there, yeah, so there are definitely a lot of, you know, barriers to to mm -hmm. to that so-called convenient uh, way of streaming content. So well, and that's not even necessarily you know bringing up all the accessibility issues. You know, like we have a Fire a, a TV with Fire OS on it, and you know it has Voice View, which is a screen reader on Amazon's operating system. Some of the apps it'll talk in, and some of the apps it won't. Right, so. You know, mm -hmm. we, we need some standards. We need some accessibility built in. And that just adds a whole nother dimension to it. Yeah. Sure. And then each each platform gets their exclusive for this, that, or the other thing. And then it's just, mm -hmm. it becomes so complicated to figure out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a little bit of nostalgia. Like there's a part of me that kind of misses like that, you know, oh, Friday at eight o'clock, it's Miami Vice. You know, you got to get ready <laughs> oh my for God. it. Miami Vice. <laughs> wow, you really pulled that one out of the dungeon. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, listen. Uh, those were our formative years. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. Miami Vice uh, was another one. Uh, oh, Knight Rider? Yeah, Hill Street Knight Blues. Rider, sure. Yeah, the A-Team. Greatest American hero. Jake Dukes of Hazard. Dukes of Hazard, yeah. All no. American shows, by the way. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, we, we didn't have any good Canadian shows. Well, we didn't expect kidding. you'd even recognize the beachcombers. So oh god, yeah. We had, that was it. We had the beachcombers and I don't know what the hell's uh, the beachcombers. Don't even ask. Probably on YouTube. Um yeah, yeah. The eighties and nineties weren't kind of canadian tv shows we didn't really have very many degrassi i guess was probably our big one that made a little bit of a breakthrough 
Although maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. We'll get, maybe we can get an email. <laughs> Someone tell us. Remember, how Rob, dare stop, you? Stop talking about TV. How, how, how dare you forget? I don't even know. Oh, the things wow. we're the, the things Rob's going to be allowed to talk about is going to become more and more narrow. That's right. We'll have to right. pick up our socks and start learning to host the show. Oh would, God! Yeah, God. Say, what is that going to look like? <laughs> I'm afraid. So am I. Ryan can do it. I'll take over cowbell duties. All right. <laughs> right. Might cost me too much to ship you one. Uh, then... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Eighty bucks to ship you a cowbell. Um. All right. Anything else? to say about any of that no nope, it's great check out ami.ca for all their content tv listings ami audio it's all there love it you know love i really it. am doing a trip to canada i'm doing a trip to toronto i don't know exactly when but i wasn't kidding about that let's stop in hey. and say hi i will i'm gonna it's... let the, I'll, i'm gonna say to john hey uh v we got john it. podcast you you said i could come and have a little tour and everything yeah vlog it for us I will absolutely take some fun video for sure. Uh, hey, Liz. Uh, hey, Rob, you moron. <laughs> oh, Where... my. I'm, I'm yep, parroting what our listeners say. Or listener? listener. Uh, that was one oh, yeah, listener. Like, yeah. yeah, it was one listener. So There might be more. But we only yeah, maybe the there may know. be more next they're, week. There are people, other people want to get on the bed or they're get all, on the show. They're like, wait, I can, they're all thinking get it. mentioned on the show if we call them names. I didn't realize that. <laughs> but it's very true, everybody. Like, you just feel free. Unload. <laughs> Let's go. I want to go eat dinner. Oh, right. God. Oh, yeah. Wait, where were we? Hey, oh, yeah. Liz, where? Uh, they can also. <laughs> sorry. Oh, my. I had, a, had a moron moment there. They can. Also, drop us a line if they so desire at Cowbell. Did you hear it? No. Oh, that was weak. Uh, cow. <laughs> at, uh, <laughs> at AT Banter. <laughs> uh, What's happening? Uh, where I look forward to that part of the show every week. I know it's it is it is kind of the highlight. Uh, hey, where are they? Uh, where the hell else can they find us, Steve? We lose Steve. Steve's muted. This is going well. Hey, look at that! I'm <laughs> muted. <laughs> Sorry, my going well. The intro is going well. It is. <laughs> so hey, if they want to find us in other places, they can do that too. And you know how they would do that, Rob? Uh, how would they do it? Well, they would just go to Twitter and or Facebook and uh, look for us there. Hey, that's an idea. Brilliant. Uh, all right. Well, I think that is going to about do it for us this week. Uh, big thanks, of course, to John for joining us this week. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Take.